0: Making the right financial decisions takes time, skill, and effort. The Savvy Brokers Club podcast delivers strategies from today's thought leaders that help you build and maintain your financial freedom. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Savvy Brokers Club podcast. Today, I'm joined by the president at Smart Wealth Strategies, Antonio Lugo. Tony, thank you for being here. Oh, Well, thank you
1: for having me. and for looking mm-hmm. forward to our conversation.
0: Likewise, because no, we've known each other a few years now, and you know, it's an honor to be able to, uh, to share your story, but also get to know more about you personally, which is going to be fun. But
1: originally, Chicago guy. Absolutely. Uh, born and raised. Uh, actually, I did think about it, I actually was raised in Skokie for a good majority of my time, but. I was in a family business, so everything we did was around work, which was in Chicago. and oh, no way. Went to school in Chicago, and so this is home.
0: And you went to a very historic high school, which I think is always cool because most people don't even know about it, right? Tell me a little bit about your high school.
1: Glad you brought that up. Quigley, Archbishop Quigley Seminary High School. Um, it was uh, the, the few left, uh, we had Northside. Quigley Seminar, and then we had a south side, which was Quigley South. Oh, I didn't realize that, so too. So north, and then it was south, so...
0: And did you go to the north side one? I did. Okay. It was
1: on Russian Chestnut, so right, right. all of you know Chicago downtown. Uh, it's still... Uh, the building still exists. Uh, it's the headquarters of the Archdiocese of Chicago, and uh, it's no longer school. Locker room and gym's gone, <laughs> but uh, it's still, I would say, it's uh, one of the prized... Possessions of the Archdiocese of Chicago. So. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful campus. But get into what you do. Uh, tell me about smart wealth strategies and and you know how you help people with that. Well, it's it's been a long journey. I think the the concept was the fact that it really stems from the fact that I saw more and more Americans looking to look at planning and and making smart decisions in terms of um, funding a home or funding. Their dream uh, schools, colleges, like you know, we're talking about, or or maybe even retirement someday. Uh, and as I looked at, our, we look at our own parents when it comes to those decisions. When you're younger, uh, my our family and friends didn't have a place to go other than, and we didn't really trust many good sources like banks or, or even have relationships in the networks we didn't have growing up. As many of us didn't have it at that time. So, uh, being in the financial services industry, which which is where I began and. Nineteen ninety six, I started wow. realizing uh, I wanted to really make a difference in people's lives, and and I wanted to make more of a purpose for why I was here, you know, and what I was yep. going to do to help others. Yep. and and you just brought up Quigley Seminary. We we were we had a calling and to serve. And, and that was one of my decisions to make is how I was going to make an impact in my community and the people that I was going to serve. Absolutely.
0: And one of the things that I just heard you say in terms of even just people's relationship with money, it sounds like uh, a lot of those things, just because I do know you, but very cultural reasons for, you know, kind of a, a, a lack of understanding or, or just lack of resources, whatever it may be, right? But there's a huge cultural uh, overcoming when it comes to finances.
1: Absolutely, I mean, you, you saw it. And, and, and yeah, culturally, uh, being my parents, being from Puerto Rico, and um, the, we didn't come from wealth. We didn't... Uh, my dad was the oldest of 11 brothers and sisters, so he was the, the provider for uh, you know with our business. We provide jobs. We were, you know, he was the first person introducing me to money myself because we had a grocery store. We didn't have credit cards, debit cards back then. Right. So when I saw money exchange, money movement from even a retail perspective, uh, where uh, we were able to see money, unlike we are today, where everything's plastic. And then when we're going in banking, where you saw how the movement of money was going from our hands to the bank's hands to the, to to being lent out there. And it was just uh, noticing that culturally, uh, as a people, community, in minority communities, uh, how disadvantaged we were just getting access and finding mentors and people that have Take, you know, maybe even speak our language or can identify with our culture. For sure. Uh, being first generation at the time, you know, for my family. So um, I think that was what I was trying to do is make a difference. But it's been challenging because the comi- this industry is uh, it makes us work pretty hard to even get involved in capital access or access to capital or getting in front of... Um, others who can be of influence. Right, no, right.
0: And, and for you, what was it about? Uh, you mentioned you know, being called to serve, right? What was it about numbers and, and, and finances, partic- uh, particularly, that drew you to the industry?
1: Yeah, it was, even, it was never about numbers, because numbers <laughs> are always there. I, was, I can't even tell you that I enjoy math all the time, <laughs> but I will have to say I love people. You know, and, and, and that's really what inspires me, and um, I saw the... the the responsibility that I had. Um, and being the way I was, the way I was carrying myself with others, and what people were saying about me uh, privately made me realize maybe I can do more for others. Maybe there's some gift that I have that will will, will make a difference in people's lives. And that's what I wanted to, you know, build on. Uh, and really is about helping people achieve their dreams, right? I mean, we're only here a set period of time, and God willing, we'll be able to achieve a lot of things that we want in life. And that's, Absolutely. And you're not going to do it without money. <laughs> and, and that's kind of where, where... But what I found, though, and what I realized is, unfortunately, we make poor decisions throughout our lives. Absolutely. And and, and mistakes we make or lack of information. And, and along this path in the, in the industry for over 20 years, I found that there was... Uh, even personally, I made I made poor decisions, and I didn't want I didn't want to make help others make make the same mistakes. Hmm. So, really, I see myself as a problem solver. I can really see myself as a source that can be reliable, uh, trustworthy, and and resourceful.
0: No, I mean, and that, it's it's in the name, right? Smart Wealth Strategies, and you're strategizing with 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 your clients. And one of the things that we had talked about before was just how, in terms of that that initial conversation or kind of your approach to people is oftentimes people don't know what they don't know, right? Right. And you don't know what's important to them or what's relevant to them. And so part of it is a, is a discovery process for you where you really just want to get to know your clients before you make any sort of judgments
1: or assessments or recommendations, right? Absolutely. And and it's funny, remember, I grew up in an industry where, like my, in retail, we didn't choose our customers, they mm, chose us, right, okay? Right. <laughs> so we didn't ask many questions in a transactional environment, but in our world, at least the world that I'm part of today, is uh, it's a deeper uh, relationship. It's a longer-term relationship. It's, there's more decisions to think through. So that's right, it does take more time to get to know each other, it does take, uh, take some more time to build trust. And, and, and there's a lot of motion when we make these decisions. There's a lot of, of influence, right? You also have your own go-to, your uncle or, or your CPA, and, you know, and that's great. I, I, I always encourage others to come in as part of the, the process so we can make smart decisions. In, in achieving your goals. For sure. And this is called the Savvy Brokers Club, because one of the things is being savvy about not
0: only your your decisions financially, but also just who and, and where you put your money, right? That it, it seems like there's so many options out there that for one who, who doesn't know or might be a little intimidated, it seems endless. And where do you begin, right? How do you take that approach in terms of what, because I'm sure you have a lot of financial tools available to you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, where do you find where, you know, people's most com- or people are most comfortable putting their money is it is it industry specific is it really just saying you know hey I, I put put my money where it kind of works for me and I'm not think about it or or do you get a lot of more active type of investors that want to know that their money is going into a specific type of industry a specific type of investment you know, whether that be uh, insurance or uh, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about how you take that approach to find out what works best for that individual to make sure that it's really hitting on their values not just
1: their wallet Exactly. And, you know, um, I ask questions, you know, and, and a lot of the questions are all goals based, right? You know, it's not just putting money away into some place that, you know, I call it the hope and pray game. And, and now people can figure it out. That's that's not always going to work. But if we have a purpose driven plan,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we know what that those dollars are going to be used for. What's that going to you know, what's going to help you do or help family uh your security, you know? Um, so that's what I start with, more of a goals-based conversation, and from that, we can use different tools or, or places to park dollars where can, they can actually become more achievable. Um, with technology today, it's impacted our industry too, Tony. I mean, it, it's a lot of stuff that we, can, we don't have to just wing it anymore. The technology has really uh, made our industry more dependable. Believe it or not, um, and, we and more can, so from like a
0: forecasting standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: From forecasting, we can apply different. We call them stress testing because there's there's the, the the software out there is just amazing, and we can use that as part of your own investment uh, level of risk tolerance. You know, call it how comfortable you are. Right. You know, I'm the type of person I don't want to get the call that the market's crashing 30, 20, even five percent. You know, and and I don't want to take it to a point where you would feel uncomfortable. So we're always being careful as a fiduciary, uh, looking at your best interest to make sure that what we're doing is in line with your comfort level and is to achieve the goals that you're trying to, to reach.
0: Yeah, and with that comfort level, though, come that risk versus reward though, right? So the, the greater the risk oftentimes produces bigger rewards. Is that still pretty much
1: the case? You know, it, it is, but as we get older, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, that level of tolerance tends to, you know... Uh, settle down a little bit, and and I think uh, I think we've all done our our uh, our uh, those type. We've taken those types of roads. We've taken those tests. But as we age, we we notice the time is not always on our side, right? Yeah. yeah. So we definitely want to be a little more uh, proactive about the things that we are doing, and understand um, some of the government regulations and the rules behind some of these plans and investments. Because trust me, they they do create some surprises for people and. And given our economy and the in the country we live in today, uh, you know our government is also looking at our retirement and looking at things that we're using. So I'm always being aware as part of, as part of doing my research. We always want to stay on top of the things that we're already doing.
0: Because it is changing all the time, and you can't even just say it's the same thing from one year to the next. It could be totally different in terms of where and how your money is being impacted.
1: It is, and you know these products are being more and more innovative on a daily basis. Wow. So wow. in my role, I have to really keep up to speed with what's out there from an independent, you know, I can, I got the universe to work with, but I also have to make sure it's a good fit for, for, the, for what the client's expecting. For sure. And what did you notice? I mean, we saw
0: in real estate, it became such a, a feeding frenzy over the pandemic, right? Of the, the way that people saw their homes and the way that people saw their lives integrated and all that, that... Not, you know, some people weren't even going back to the office, so they're they're looking for different things. How did you see that also impact uh, your industry, right? Whether it be from an investment insurance standpoint, how did people begin to think differently during the pandemic and post pandemic?
1: I think during the pandemic, a lot of people took time to figure out if what they're doing is the right thing. It gave people that time out to say, "Hey, you know, I, you know, as a relationship, you know." With our kids, our families, uh, from our relationship with our employers, our bosses, a lot of that really disrupted, right? We all kind of made a head, uh, we had to put the pause button in our lives. And when they're in that pause, we also started to evaluate are we doing what we sh- could be doing or, or, or should be doing? Uh, from you know for our own personal we've had more time together, let's talk about our goals as family. So you know I always say if health and wealth has never been on your mind from that pandemic, it'll never be on your mind because that really made me realize my responsibility, not only for my family but also for my future. And I think a lot of people have made those decisions personally to make you know find other opportunities whether professionally or personally. And, and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to help people make those decisions for themselves. Do you find that people are getting a lot or I don't want to say a lot, but at least getting
0: smarter about the way they spend their money? That it's not how much money you make or even how, how much of a return you get if you're always spending it. Right? right. So did you find that people's spending habits changed good or bad? Right. Because of the pandemic, whether it be seeing more towards the future or
1: kind of filling a void that they're <laughs> bored and they want something to do. Yeah, I don't know about how spending has impacted because I always try to stay away from that. Oh, really? <laughs> well, here's what I always call it. It's lifestyle. Right, right. right? And and I'm not the person to tell you to, not, not to have your coffee from Starbucks or sure, go to sure. other places. So I'm always... My job is to protect their lifestyle and even hopefully enhance it. I like that. Yeah, because... Uh, uh, I want to stay invited to the home. <laughs> so no, but it's great. I mean it's it's fun. I think I think people have just took a st- like again, it took a pause, but they realize, you know, they want to look at whatever where everything is going. And that's kind of looking underneath uh underneath the hood a little bit more and taking paying more attention to things. And and
0: what I'm hearing too is which I, I like, because you, you often hear, you know, people uh, setting budgets or, or almost putting limitations on, right? Not not that it's a bad thing to, hey, hey I don't want to go overboard on these things or setting limits, right? But, but to limit yourself altogether, as opposed to what I'm hearing from you, which is you're really trying to help people or enable people to maintain that lifestyle. It's not like, oh, don't do that, but how can we afford it, right? How can you get to that point where you do that versus, you know, don't do that because here's this other thing or whatever. Like, hey, just tell me what the
1: bigger picture of your lifestyle is and we'll make it work. Yeah. I mean, we're working too hard. I mean, we put more hours than we've ever done before. The struggles we've had, in our lives, you know, as we age, as I said, uh, we want to start enjoying the things we've had. I, I hear more people are traveling. This is the, you know, than ever before. Uh, well, there's a reason we know that, you know, again, things can change at any minute and that's what life's bringing for all of us. But what I'm realizing that if we can expect change, then how flexible is your plan? Yep. You know, how prepared are you for these changes? Cause it will happen again.
0: And how much of a learning curve is that for you when you're talking to new clients, especially about just understanding you know, not only the, the, the financial tools available to them, mm-hmm. but how to start thinking about their life as it relates to that? Because most of us, I think, are just completely unaware that it's almost like living paycheck to paycheck or day to day that while you do have the, the wealthy and people who, um, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like they're doing really well if they lose their job, might be on the street kind of thing, yeah. right? So how much of that is a learning curve for them through you where you're having to teach a lot of this at the very beginning?
1: You know, you use personal stories. I think, uh, you know, when this journey has brought a lot of personal experiences to me, whether, you know, with my own family or, or with other families. So I, I really, I've been there from helping the investment to paying the funeral bills. So I've been there from the start to the finish, and I, and I still remember those conversations with the people that a lot of my clients... Um, that are still today, but some have not. Unfortunately, are not here. So, I I think that's when my I realize the level of responsibility that I have is to really while well, I'm here to help people make uh, these decisions, but not to really um, take away from what they're doing presently. But actually in, encourage them to keep shooting for the stars, right? Absolutely. I mean, why not? I, I don't discourage anybody, you know. And and that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to help them get there. in in a realistic pattern, you know, more acceptable, but yet, um, so we, I mean, realistic, that's just really what it comes down to. I think think what I'm learning, too, is um, we only have this chance in our lives, and why wouldn't we want to achieve the goals that we want? Absolutely. No, and
0: you know as I'm hearing, obviously, it, it all sounds great. And every, these are tools that everyone needs and should know about. And especially even from a, a school standpoint, how we don't get taught about these things in school. So to have someone in your corner, to have someone who's a, a professional, an expert, is invaluable, right? But w- what does it look like for you when you're connecting with people and sometimes it's just like, ah, oh, I, I know too many, you know, insurance brokers, or I feel like I'm being sold. Like, how do you overcome some of those things that, that are challenges just in your day-to-day as, as you know, I don't want to say sales, because that sounds, but but connecting, right? When it comes to connecting with people, well, what's the, the the best method you've found to really create that relationship with people when you're really trying to serve them from a professional
1: standpoint? Yeah, there really is no method. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of, self-training, paid a lot of mentor and training schools. I think being your natural self. Um, I think uh, the salesy and fast eddy kind of those conversations uh, we all grew up with are just not... we can rewrite through it. Uh, you know, Tony, it's, it's not... You, you and I know that relationships are... you can see th- people right through those things. So in my world, I'm not... I, I, like I said, I'm building long-term relationships uh i'm going to be as genuine as i am and i don't i feel good about it you know and i think those are the ones that who are looking for more of a transactional nature um, those are the ones that you want to be careful with Where those that others that are really doing it for the right reason and going to be here over time are the ones that I, I tend to associate with. Absolutely, and, and and I
0: guess on the other foot, right, if uh, those listening that are looking for someone, maybe they don't have access, you know, obviously they should be calling you and contacting you, and, and they can do so, but what should someone be looking for in uh, a, a broker or a financial analyst expert that is gonna be giving them advice? What You know, what's the biggest thing that one should be thinking about and, and really looking for in a particular person?
1: You know that's a good question because um, I always ask. You know, if you're looking for a good fit from a uh, an advisor, whether it be a tax professional, real estate, or financial, um, are they qualified? Right? And I'm talking about qualified meaning. You know, have they put in the time? <laughs> you know, do they have enough experience? Uh, do they have enough real stories? That, and are they, You know, and I I always. Uh, you got to check from just from uh, they they call they're third party tools that you can we we use like uh, these different websites to check your, the background of certain individuals um, based on licenses based on uh, credentials that they have from academic. Um, but the best part is is hearing it from other people. Uh, that, that's kind of why I got it where I got a little step up in my business because I, I always like to do uh, client events right and. And my, my biggest journey is to give back at some point. I'm doing a little bit now over time, but I'm trying to do more of that. And one of the opportunities I always get to do is take a lot of clients out, and we all go for breakfast. And one time, I was at the... Yeah, I think they're no longer there. Uh, it was in the West Loop, of the restaurant. And um, I always I say, we got some cameras back there. After you have breakfast, can you share a few things about your experience in, in working with me and, and what's made your decision to you know stick around, right? And it was funny because, you know, breakfast must have been that good because I had a lot of feedback. (laughs) (laughs) And that positive feedback was just, uh, it was consistent. That was cool. It was like you get, you know, four or five people saying the same things, you know, on a private basis in front of that camera crew that who knows (laughs) where that was going to go. Right. Uh, and, And I was willing to take that risk. But I think that experience made me realize that it's not what you do or what, you know, what you've done. It's what people are saying about you. And, and if, the, if those things can validate your commitment as a professional, then you're on the right path. I love that. No, and
0: the breakfast thing is a great idea. And I mean, obviously, you could tell you, you, you're passionate about people and, and connecting with people, so for you to be doing these breakfast only it just seems like a natural fit to, to bring those things together, right? So, yeah, I even brought a comedian. I'm making it fun, so yeah, making it fun. Can't wait for my invite. I'm going to let that? you know the please next do, one. Please do. So and on that note, what's what's the vision? You know, what's the vision for you, for your company, for for yeah, just in general.
1: Well, generally, I, I'm I, I'm seeing more of a of a gap, wealth gap in our in our community, uh, and 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 this pandemic has created more of a, even a bigger gap. So. Um, Getting further, further into this professional career that I'm in, and finding that there aren't many people that are in, they're minority ethnic, ethnic or culturally, biculturally, uh, or, or, or um, you know, speak our language, you know, Spanish and, and all these. So I found that that I need to open more doors for others, right? I have to at least be serving as a mentor to others. So I've done some things with Loyola University's Latino mentoring uh, program there. Um doing stuff at the schools, uh, Big Shoulders Fund. We're doing some stuff with the Catholic Charities, doing a stock market class. We're having fun with that. You know, because you want to do it, you know, whether young, eighth graders, these are fun. We're having good times doing stuff at community college. Uh, I have a class there once a quarter. So I'm just trying to find areas where I can bring value and, and education to people that are willing to listen and, and be part of this, so and tend to be in minority communities, you know, uh, or disadvantaged, or it doesn't really, I don't like the fact that disadvantaged, I, like to, I think we all have the advantages, we just gotta take the opportunity to, to go learn and be part of it, so just, just being part of that's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking to do that more.
0: Awesome, awesome, well, if you're out there listening and, and what you're hearing, you know, is it something that, that connects with you, I would encourage you to reach out to Tony. You can do so by filling out the form. And like I said before, he'll get that directly in his mailbox. But Tony, just thank you so much for for coming in, for your friendship, but also for everything you do for the community
1: through your work. Thank you for having me, Tony.